Well, grace and peace, everybody. Thank you for joining us again for Connections Podcast, which is called Bridging the Gap. And so I'm so excited. Last week, we talked about a little more of an introduction to Pastor Leah, but we started diving into the end about where God has brought you from and what he's called you into, understanding your purpose in life. And so we're going to just dive right into this, Pastor Leah, because I don't want to waste any time because we know that we try to get these done in less than 30 minutes. And so we just want to jump right in. So as we talked last episode about your role as our intercessor's prayer leader at Destiny Christian Center, I wanted to ask you, how does God speak to you specifically? I think that God speaks to me specifically mostly through his word. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to know the word of God. If you're going to be a person of prayer, you have to know the word of God. So that is number one. I believe he speaks through his word. Um, I know all of us have had that experience where we've read scriptures for years, and then one day you read it, and all of a sudden it has a new meaning yeah. because the word of God is living, and he's constantly giving us more revelation of himself that applies to us. So what you may have gotten from that scripture, I don't necessarily get, but I right. get something else that pertains to my life at that time. So I think I believe God speaks to us mostly through the word of God. And then we have, of course, other ways for me um, in a more dramatic way mm-hmm. is through the dreaming and um, the words of knowledge sometimes that the Lord drops in. Yeah. But for the most part, it's through the word of God. Okay. You know, I've, I've preached before about, and, and, the Lord, and I believe the Lord spoke this to me. He said, Nathan, to know my will, is to know, know my, my word, word. Yep. and to know my word is to know me. Yes. And so that have always helped me. So if it doesn't line up with the word of God, because you know we get, we got these what I call uh, parking lot prophets yes. that start spewing things, and it's like yeah, I don't sit well. Number one, that doesn't line up with the word of God. Yes, you know the whole you know we can just go on all day yes. with this. Yes, but it ha- you're you're exactly right. It has to line up with the word of God, or then you need to question yourself: Was this the pizza? That's talking exactly. to me. Is this that greasy chicken that I ate? Exactly. That's speaking. So exactly. You, you're exactly right. It has to line up with, with the, the word, word of God. God. You know, there's many people listening and watching that may not know the extent of your dreams. I've always been mesmerized as we talked last episode by your dreams and how how you pick up things in that realm. When, when did you start having significant dreams like these? You mentioned, I think, at 12 but I mentioned, but but that I mentioned where you knew that the Lord was speaking to you, and what kind of advice or counsel was you given about those dreams? I wasn't really given any counsel okay. or advice. I realized that God spoke to me through dreams, probably in my latter teenage years. But I was always a dreamer. I would have very very vivid dreams, and they would scare me. Mm. Um, even as a child, they would scare me. And um, it was the Lord speaking in some of those dreams. Some of them I can still remember to this day, um, being eight and nine years old. And right. it was it was so terrifying to me that my mother used to have to come in and sit on the end of my bed and she would pray and sing blood songs to, mm-hmm. so that I could relax enough to go to sleep because the dreams were so vivid and so wow. very detailed and so very real to me. And then it kind of backed off preteen years, and then it kind of picked up again towards the end of my teenage years going into my 20s. And um, I realized, okay, that wasn't just a normal thing. People don't normally dream like that. That is the voice of the Lord. And I asked the Lord one day specifically, I said, when did I, when did you decide that I was going to be a dreamer? And the Lord took me back in my mind to the fifth grade, and I was in Sunday school room with Brother Perkins, who was our Sunday school mm-hmm. teacher, and he was teaching about Joseph and his dreams. Mm-hmm. And the, the Lord showed me myself sitting 
in the third row from the front next to the wall. He said, that moment you asked me, Lord, speak to me like that. Wow. And he said, but God already knew that I was going to pray that prayer. Yeah. And so, um, but that was the first time I acknowledged it. And from that point on, the Lord said, I'm going to begin to stir that. He said, I started stirring it again. And of course, I was fifth grade. So you're going to enter into your preteen right. years. And, and it picked up. Um, by the time I was in college, end of high school, college, I had begun to dream more. I didn't know what to do with them. And so the Lord began to send people. One of the people, persons that was very significant in helping me with dreaming was Sister Linda Smith. Mm -hmm. I remember one of the most vivid dreams I had was about my grandmother dying mm -hmm. in a car wreck. And I woke up completely frantic, did not know what to do. Mm -hmm. But the impression, the, I knew the God part of it was there. And I was terrified that this was getting ready to happen. And I told her about the dream. She said, well, dreams are symbolic. Some of them are literal. And she said, if it is a literal dream, sometimes God shows us because we can pray and change the outcome. Mm. And she said, so you pray about that. I said, well, how long do I pray? She said, pray until the burden is lifted. Okay. And so I learned in college to pray until the burden is lifted. And when that burden lifted, it was about a week later. I went on about my business about a month later the actual event happened. Oh my. And um, my dad called me. I was in college. He said, pray right now. We're going to Methodist Hospital. Your grandmother's been in a car accident. And I thought, oh God, no, this is the dream. I thought you said if I prayed, you were going to like, this wasn't going right. to happen. I prayed to the burden lifted. And um, when I called, my dad didn't call me back for another couple hours. And when I finally called him and said, well, what happened? He said, they had to get her out with the jaws of life. But the way the car was hit, there was a complete bubble around my grandmother. Like she was completely, she only had a scratch on her ankle. Wow. That was it. So they had to use the jaws of life, of course, to get the doors sure. and things open. But she was sitting pretty inside of what looked like a bubble where the rest of the car was crushed. And um, I said, God, you know, I thought you weren't going to let this happen. And the Lord said, you asked me to spare her life. You didn't ask me to stop it. Had you asked me to stop mm, it, I would have stopped it. And so that taught me to be specific in specific. my prayers. And so I, the Lord is beginning to train wow. me. He's starting to train me more and more. So with the dreams and with prayer. And so um, that's how that kind of came about. But I began to learn based on that. And then she kind of pointed me towards some other people sure. who were dreamers. And I began to dig into the dream language and how God speaks through dreams. It's not a lost art. Sometimes yeah. we read it and we only see it in the Old Testament and we think, oh, that was Old Testament. That yeah. was Joseph. That was, you know, so-and-so. That was Daniel. You know, that's not for today, but it is for today. Yeah, sure and is. it's very much so alive to he that have an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And sometimes hearing is seeing Amen. what God is showing you in a dream. You know, that that almost answers my next question. I was thinking of a dream that you you can remember to a T. And I, now you mentioned about your grandma, and then it actually came to pass. So so is there a dream that you can remember that when you had, you were almost clueless? Like, what was that all about? But then God began to reveal it as time went on. That maybe not be so tragic as the one that you mentioned about your grandma. Can you remember a story that or a dream that that you remember so vividly, but you, at the time you didn't understand, but God brought clarity as time went on. Absolutely. Share it with the us. The dream is really long. <laughs> I don't know. Do we have enough time? Put it, put it in your short five-minute version. I'm going to try to put version. it in my five-minute version, but 
the one thing that's important to know about dream and dream language is that God speaks to you usually in a realm that you understand. And for me, it's education because I'm an educator. Mm -hmm. I teach. And so a lot of times when I dream, it's in the sphere of school or educating people. And so one of the most vivid dreams I had was in April 2001. I was still a college student at the time. And I remember it was on a Thursday Wednesday night, Thursday morning, because we had come home from Bible class, my roommate and I, we prayed, we went to bed. And that night I began to dream about a school that was three stories high. It looked like my old elementary school. It was early morning and the the school members were all made up of saints from different Mm -hmm. churches. And they were all standing on the schoolyard and the bell rang. And when the bell rang, all the kids went in or all the students went into their different classes. So once everybody was in their rooms, this young lady came in. I remember her very vividly. She looked like she had on a safari outfit. She had a backpack on. She takes the backpack off and begins to stick dynamite into the corners of the wall. And she said, this is going to blow up, but it's your job to warn people, get them out of here. So I ran to the first floor and that class was very, very stoic. It was in classroom was in rows. The teacher wore a suit. The students didn't make a noise. They sat with their hands on the desk. And I told them this warning. I was like, hey, this place is about to blow up. There's a tragedy coming. You have to get out of here. And they looked at the teacher. The teacher gave them permission. They stood up in an orderly manner. They walked out. The second floor, I got there, and that classroom looked like what we see today. Kids Mm -hmm. are in pods. The teacher was way more relaxed. The kids were getting up whenever they wanted to. It was noisy. I remember screaming the warning over top of the kids and they couldn't hear me. So I began to write it across the board. And when they stopped and started reading it, they got up in a disorderly manner and walked out. The third floor, and the whole time, remind you, we're going through the day. So the first floor was morning, the second door was afternoon. The third floor was the evening time. When I got up there, there was a bunch of special needs children. And I said, Lord, I can't speak to them. I said, they don't understand me. And I turned around and I walked out and I heard the voice of the Lord say, go back and get them. And when I turned around to go back and get them, they had disappeared, but there was a man there who was in handcuffs. And he said, I just got out of jail and I didn't know where else to go. Help me. And so um, I unlocked his hands and we began to walk and I began to minister to him. At that time, Pastor Keith O'Neill was one of the administrators Mm -hmm. of the school and he was organizing all the saints on the yard and we were standing there. All of a sudden, a group of people walked back into the building and I began to shout, come on, guys, this is true. It really is going to happen. And um, they refused to hear me. And so this time the Lord said, don't go back. They've been warned. So we stood there and I remember Pastor Keith O'Neill was on this side. And most of us know Sister Pastor Denise Milbin Mm -hmm. was on my other side. And all of a sudden she began to gasp for air and the building blew up. And the first floor collapsed into the second floor, the second floor into the first floor. The ground opened up and swallowed all of those people in the building. And I woke up. And when I woke up, I heard for the first time an audible voice of God, just like I'm talking to you. They said, I am God and I will do this. I am God and I will do this. Believe me. Believe me. And when I opened my eyes, the clock said 545. And the time was like Mm -hmm. this in my face. And I kept calling my roommate's name. I kept saying, do you hear this? Do you hear this? Because it was so intense in the room. I literally decided I wasn't going to class that day because I was terrified of what I had seen. Now, that was in 2001. It is now 2021. And over the past 20 years, the Lord has actually unfolded various parts of those dreams. At that time, I didn't understand all of it. But parts of it, I do understand. For instance, the third floor about the special needs kids had to do with my job. When the Lord told me to stay here in Muncie, I said, God, there's no positions here. I got, I'd gone to the ad building for an interview and they said, I'm sorry, we don't have any elementary positions here. As I'm walking out, 
um, the building, the special ed director is coming towards me. And at that time, the assistant superintendent is telling her how I want a job. And he was like, but we don't have any positions. She said, yes, we do. It's in special ed. And immediately I said to myself, I can't communicate with him. Oh, My degree is in elementary ed. I can't yeah. do special ed. And I heard the Lord say, go back and get them. And that day wow. they hired me for that position. And that's how I got into Muncie Community Schools was through the special ed department. So as the years have gone on, different parts of that dream, God has just kind of opened up and folded and unfolded. God is a God of layers. So sure. it doesn't necessarily just mean one thing. So even though... Um, those that represented my job, it also represents the saints of God. Some of our saints are yeah. special needs. You're, come on, let's come let's on. talk about it. Comfort the feeble-minded. Yeah. You know, and so the Lord says, don't leave them behind. Go back and get them. Explain to them as much as you possibly can. The man that was in the window that was in jail, I ended up doing, never thought I would, but I spent three years doing jail ministry with um, Sister Linda Smith. Yeah. And that was the Lord. Go back and get them. Go back and get the undesirables. Man. Go back and get the people that most people forget about, yeah. the people that are locked up, the special needs people. And so as time has gone on, God has just unlocked various parts of that dream for me. And that was 20 years ago. But he's still, to this day, revealing more and mm -hmm. more. Um, some of the things are spiritual. I believe that part of it represented the Jezebel spirit that God is going to come after. And he's given fair warning, get away from that. And there are some people who refuse to, wow. and they're going to get caught up in the whirlwind, sure. and they'll end up being destroyed. Um, some people, uh, the dream represented the different time periods of my life. The first floor, very come up in a very traditional Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. You didn't do anything unless your pastor told you. Right. So those students in that room didn't do anything until their teacher gave them permission. But now we have a realm of saints that do whatever they want to. And even now. if the teacher says, that's not what we're doing, you need to have a seat, you need to blow, they still do what they want to do. But they still need to be warned too, wow. and they still need to have be taught too, and they still have to be brought out, and they still have to know. And so every day, every year, it's like the Lord revisits me with that dream. He says, "Okay, this is about this." That dream went on literally like a movie all night long. Wow. It was like sitting in the movie theater. And when I woke up, I didn't know what to do with that dream, but because the Lord had begun to train me on how to deal with dream language and how to pray things through. Um, I just kind of set it on the shelf and I said, when it, when it's your time, God, you'll show me. And as things begin to go, as I begin to walk out my life, those things have opened. Some of them have to do with me personally. Some of them have to do with this region. Sure. That's why there was different saints there. Sure. And they weren't just from destiny. They were from all over. Yeah, yeah. Some of them has to do with what God is getting ready to deal with in Come Muncie, on. what he's getting ready to deal with in wow. East Central Indiana, and what he's getting ready to deal with in the church across the board. So it's not just for me, it's for everybody. And so that's one of those dreams that God continually over I can, opens up. I can see why. So, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. There's a lot there. I mean, you unloaded a lot there and I'm seeing Did it I do as it well. in five minutes? I think you, you were pretty close. But that was good. That was worth maybe eight minutes, but uh, <laughs> you know, that was good. Again, here we go. Someone may be listening to you right now saying to themselves, you know, I've prayed and I've prayed time and time again over this specific situation, and I'm not seeing any results. What would you suggest to them? The one thing that I often remember when we are praying is I didn't really realize the scripture was there until I actually the Lord prompted me to preach a message about prayer. And it's in Revelations, the eighth chapter. Yeah. And I'm going to read it in the third verse. It says, Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar. 
and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. The smoke of incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth and thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. And so when I read this scripture, it reminds me that, number one, that God hears us. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we pray and we think, well, that didn't do anything. But sometimes God is saving up our prayers and he's putting them in a bowl. And I I have what I call the tipping point. You know, um, think about the woman that went to the unjust judge. She didn't just go one time. She kept hounding him and hounding him. There came a tipping point where he gave her what she wanted. And so I believe that's what God does with the, pe- with the people of God. Some prayers he answers immediately. Sure. There are other prayers he stores up. He stores up. And we might not see the answer in this generation, but the next generation. I believe I am living because the prayers of ancestors who prayed before me, that bowl was filling up. And maybe the one prayer that I prayed was the tipping point that unleashed a hundred years worth of blessings that my ancestors have been praying because it's about God's timing and what he wants to do in the earth. And some people are praying not for what's going to happen now, but it's for the generation to come. Yes. And so when we can't get discouraged when we pray, because when we're praying, God hears us. He promises that he would hear us. His eyes are open. His ears are open. He said that he would answer. Now, he didn't say he would answer in your timing. He would answer in our his not our, our timing. He'll answer in his own timing. And so, for some things that might be five years from now, that might be ten years from now, that might be five minutes from yeah. now. But don't get discouraged because every prayer that you've prayed, God heard it, Amen. and He is storing it up. Do you realize He's He's mixing it? And that's such a powerful thing that He takes it when this time comes and throws your answer back to the earth, and it's going to hit the earth with an earthquake. You know, yeah. and I'm not saying it's got to be a physical, literal earthquake, yeah. but it can be something that shakes you and shakes your family and answers the prayer that you've been praying or someone has been praying in your bloodline for decades, centuries, or even millennia before you. So we can't get discouraged because Amen. it's all about what God wants to do in his timing. Just Amen. pray the prayer. Amen. You know, I think about the scripture, we, we've quoted it our whole life, uh, Hebrews 11 and 1. King James versions in our head, now faith is the mm-hmm. substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But I had written down here on, on New Living Translation, and it says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about these or about things that we cannot see. Exactly. There are promises throughout the whole Bible of his favor and protection, but there is power in prayer. If you skip down to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, it records a statement that has helped me live my life and just walk my life out. It is impossible to please God without faith. Exactly. And listen to this, and in anyone who wants to come, who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who what? Sincerely seek him. How important is faith when we pray? It's all, it is it's probably the most important thing. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Amen. So you can't come to God. It's like going to the store with no money. If you try to walk out the store with the item, you're a thief Amen. and a robber. <laughs> That's what the scripture says. If any man tries to come in any other kind of way, he's a thief and Amen. a robber. What is the way to God? Through faith. Come on. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's right. So you can't just come to God any old kind of way you want to. Sure. You have to mix it with faith. So faith is super important when we're praying. If you're not 
if you don't, if you're not going to go in prayer and faith, you might as well just stop. Don't do anything because we only get things from God through faith. Our faith is the foundation on what we stand on, what we believe will happen. If we don't have that, it's like falling through a dark hole. We have to have faith and it has to be mixed with our prayer. We have to have both. We have to have both. It's not just arbitrarily speaking words. Amen. You know, we've heard the acronym of fear. It's false evidence appearing real. Exactly. I've always said that the enemy to our faith is fear. fear. Some of us are sitting here watching. You may be watching at home right now saying, well, pastor, I'll hear what you and Lee are saying here now, but I've been praying about this stuff over and over. And I believe I'm speaking or believing by faith and I'm not seeing the results. So you've got to ask yourself, are you allowing fear to control you? Are you allowing fear to control what comes out of your mouth? Because we hear things like this. Well, God, I've been believing for this, but. Exactly. You know, I've heard the preachers preach. You got to get the butt out, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, but, but we have so many butts in the reasons why God can't do what he can do because we're like, God, I know you can do this, but if you know, yeah. Lord, I know that this is going to take place, but you know, I come on, don't allow fear to control you anymore. Exactly. Don't allow, don't allow your, your faith to, to, because as we said, fear is the enemy of faith. So somebody may be watching. Give a word of hope, and we're going to close in on this right here. Give a word of hope. I can pray that break the spirit of fear because that was one of the things. Being a dreamer, being a pastor, being somebody in ministry, one of the biggest battles I've ever had in my life is dealing with the spirit of fear, Mm. and it is an actual spirit. And I literally heard it walking through my room. Whenever the Lord begins to take me through another level of something that he wants me to do, I have the same reoccurring thing where this spirit comes and it breathes very heavily. It literally, I can hear it in my My ears and um, I have to stand against it. Before, I used to just try to hide. It 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 would come in the form of a dream and I would just literally try to hide wherever I could find in a house, run across town, wherever. But one day the Lord helped me deliver me from fear through a dream. And then since then, I've had to learn when to recognize it because the enemy will always come back to try to take up where he left off. And you have to learn how to stand against it. Fear is the one thing that will stop the people of God in ministry in any area. That is exactly why the scripture says over and over, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, because it's the enemy of faith. And so I can speak to dealing with the spirit of fear. And as church people, we've gotten good Mm -hmm. at talking ourselves into thinking that we believe. Mm -hmm. I believe God. Yeah, I believe God. Yeah, Yeah, he's going to do it. We shout about it and we cry. And then you go home and it's like, I don't Mm -hmm. know, man. So the first thing is being honest with yourself and being honest with God. God, I'm struggling with fear. I am terrified that if I pray this prayer, you're not going to answer it. Mm. That was my first thing. I had to say, I am scared. Okay, let's deal with this first. And so he began to talk to me about how he doesn't give us a spirit of fear, where the spirit of fear comes from, how to handle the spirit of fear. Let's deal with that. And then faith can rise because if fear is there, it's going to choke out that seed of faith. No matter how many times it gets planted over and over and over again, fear will come and dig it up every single time. So you have to deal with the spirit of fear. And that is the biggest thing. And I think that we have to deal with as saints, the reason why people don't come to prayer meeting. It's the reason why people don't pray. Because I prayed about that and nothing happened. I prayed about that and God didn't answer. That is a spirit of fear. And so instead of being consistent and sincerely seeking God, as the scripture says, we just stop because we're terrified that God really didn't hear us and that he's not going to answer. 
That is so good. And so we have to deal with the spirit of fear. So I'm going to pray for the spirit of fear. Is that okay? Yeah, and I do want to add to this. You know, I was I was doing a little research one day, and there was when I thought about this, and I, and I had a question because you know you get memes on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You're like, eh, does it really say that? So somebody had posted that fear is in the Bible. 365 times. Well, I looked it up. It's not technically fear, but it is afraid. Mm-hmm. Be not afraid. Be, mm-hmm. uh, and then it talks about the afraid in the sentence is on there 365 times. And I thought about that, that every day the enemy is going to throw fear at you mm-hmm. 365 times in the year. And I'm telling you right now, that is so good. And I was just thinking about, as you were saying that, that fear not, be not afraid. Is, and the enemy is going to try to make you question everything. And so, yes, you pray, I and will. we'll close this out on that. Well, Father, we just thank you, Lord mm. God, that you did not give us a spirit yes. of fear, but you gave us love, power, power, power and a God. sound mind. So, Father, we pray right now against the spirit of fear, Lord God, wherever it comes, fear of failure. But, mm. Lord, I pray specifically for people who are afraid of success, My goodness. afraid that if they oh, do Jesus. succeed, that there'll be more requirements, that there'll be more responsibility, there'll be more accountability. But, Lord, you don't call qualified people. Come you on. qualify yes. us. So, God, if you're calling them to do it and you're going to anoint them to be successful, you're going to anoint them again to handle whatever success brings. So, Father, I squash the spirit of fear yes. in the realm of the spirit. Those that have been dealing with it, even from a child, Lord God, I'm asking you to go to the root of fear in the name of Jesus. Yes, in the name of Jesus, uproot it out of them. Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God calls the God kind of faith to grow in oh. them. Lord God, there were people with no faith, people with little faith, people mm. with great faith. God, we want to be the people with great faith. Even yes, as we were Lord. taught last night, Lord God, we want to be those people that have to get to you. And we know that we cannot get to you unless we come by faith. So Father, we pray right now that fear will be banished and Lord, replaced with the spirit of faith and that we will start with that mustard grain seed, that seed of mustard grain faith, Lord God, that we can continue to grow it and water it with the word of God as you walk us through our daily lives. We thank you that we have victory over fear. Lord, we thank you that it will not plague us. And if it does come back, we know how to stand because you've taught us how. You've taught us how to stand against it. We plead the blood, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. We plead your blood and we thank you, Lord God, that you are moving right now, even through this podcast, Lord God, you're going to visit some some of us tonight, even in our own own sleep and you're going to deal with that spirit of fear and you're going to plant a spirit of faith and we're going to grow in you. We thank you. We give you praise. We bless your name. You're a great God in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Well, I feel faith rising even as we are sitting here. So, hey, I thank you for joining us again for another episode of Bridging the Gap. We look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.